It's Thursday night, everybody. That means it's time for Saundo and Redder's Suburban Districts podcast. Without any further ado, the great man is here, fresh off a hectic Sports Stevens show on Tuesday night. Dan Saunders, good evening. G'day, Redders. Uh, great to be chatting to you, mate. It's, it's been a very busy week. And, um, yeah, fantastic to see uh, some games of cricket went ahead over the weekend. Indeed. And, and uh, I, I'm I'm flying tonight. The the Houston Astros won. Manchester United won. So I'm, I'm flying. I'm ready to rock and roll. The only damper on tonight is that I'm not sure how much cricket's going to be played in our wonderful Newcastle on Saturday. But that's for a later discussion. And uh, we thank our sponsor, Dan, Crave & Co., they're located yeah. at the corner of Smart and Pearson Street in Charlestown. Phone number 49423061. Um, located in Charlestown, Craven Co. is the newest cafe in town offering great coffee from Glee Coffee. Fur babies welcome. So make sure, thank you. We thank them for their support. Once again, everybody, Craven Co. at the corner of Smart and Pearson Streets in Charlestown. Yeah, great little cafe. Uh, breakfast there myself on Wednesday morning, chatting to Kieran and Michelle and Jess and the team there. And, um, now they're they're excited to be involved uh, with the podcast. I actually um, chewed Kieran Zira as part of the decision making on this week's uh, initial player of the round uh, recipient, and uh, they'll they'll win a twenty dollar voucher or twenty dollars worth of product from from Craven Co Cafe. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I reckon I know who it might be, uh, but that's another matter. And I've got I've got to cricket at Cahiba later on this season, so it may be a visit to D to D Saunders for a coffee on the way to Royal Cahiba later on this season for D Red. Okay, scores. So here are the abandoned games, unfortunately. Redhead and Nelson Bay at Lyles, abandoned. West Journeyman and Port Stephens at Hexham Park, abandoned. The results. In a for this, I reckon in all the time we've been doing this, this, this may be the highest scoring game of the lot, Dan. And also the play, I'm not sure if those play excuse scores are right because if they, if that's right, then there's been Duckworth Lewis because it's only 38 overs on my screen. Anyway, Merriweather Lions, four for 241, a superb performance in this level of cricket. And Mary Ellen are listed as nine for 182 off 38. That can't be right because it was sunny on Saturday. So I'm assuming that there was some issues with play HQ and I'm not being nasty as it's well known around the country that play HQ is having some teething problems Dan well I'm just having a look here actually in my cricket uh sorry sorry <laughs> blasphemous play HQ yeah and it appears that going by the bowlers used that 39 overs were bold um so I'm not exactly sure what the issue is there but um they've been bowled out so they've actually lost 10 wickets. That nine for 182 should actually be all out 182. There's not much that we can do, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're, we'll drill down as much as we can to get you accuracy. But um, it, the, it please bear with us. This is going to take a while. Um, of the other score that is has been posted that I can see, Warners Bay, a thumping win. Six for 185 off 40. Our friend Tomata had a little uh, cameo in there as well. And Westwater bought all out 73. That's a... Very good win for Warners Bay. And Dan, can you run us through Cardiff Bullaroo and the Rose Scholars? That game played at Cardiff too. Can you run us through those scores, please, mate? Yeah, certainly. So I managed to go there's uh, Rowan Mockle from the Cardiff Bullaroo uh, District Cricket Club. Their one-day team was uh, kind enough to provide um, the scores for that game. Unfortunately, both clubs are having issues with play HQ. And as everyone knows, it's, it is what it is. It's um, very frustrating for everyone involved. And we might just leave it at that. Um, but the Rogue Scholars had a four-wicket victory first up against Cardiff Bullaroo. Cardiff Bullaroo batted first, scored nine for 162. 
and the Rogue Scholars uh, got those runs six wickets down in 38 overs. We'll get delve more into the stats of that as we go through. Some pretty good scores. You and I spoke, spoke about this at length last year, Dan, in what was a truncated season with a lot of weather with pitches with a bit in them. But for um, one team made 185, one's made over 180, and Marriott made 241 in that Cardiff and Rose Scholars game, 160-odd each. Uh, some good scores. Um, we got some, For once, we've got some nice weather. But we'll go and look, first of all, at Connolly Park, which, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, was an absolute run-fest, quite extraordinary performance. The Lions batting first. Mary were the Lions, four for 241 of 40. Paul Dan, a magnificent 109, not out. Jason Pratt and 51. And this is one good thing about um, uh, Play HQ, Dan. Their full names are there. Makes it a bit easier. And Stephen Pride, 48, not out at the death. Maryland Mudrats didn't really have a great day with the ball. Best of the bowlers, Lucas Nedden, not for the first time, two for 26 off eight. That's an excellent performance when his colleagues have gone for over six and over. A magnificent century there to Paul Dan to start the season off, Dan. Yeah, look, a very impressive start to the season by Merriweather. But you've got to say, I mean, even the run chase to score 180 odd in reply, that's a pretty solid effort as well. Um, but what we'll see in the three games we're going to talk about, all three teams batting first, and I banged on about this so much last year, all batted their 40 overs. And as you can see, the, the teams all batting first have scored well over four runs and over. Surprisingly, um, I, I, I was out at Fay and Oval for the first half of that game we'll get to shortly. Um, but it appears the outfields, because I know at Fay and it was lightning, which for out there, if there's one criticism of Fay and Oval, sometimes the outfield can be a bit slow where the wicket's mm. fantastic and drying, but the, the outfield was lightning early doors there on Saturday. I was stunned at Lynn Oval, just to, to as a quick uh, um, sidetrack so, so here, quick tangent, stunned to see the winter grass that had died off and the colour of the outfield was brown and that led to very quick outfield, very mm, quick. Good. The scores don't conducive to that, but I'm amazed. I had heard about Fane having some drainage issues at the end of footy season. Again, no one's fault, just an indication of how much, how high the water table is. And to hear the good news, that's, yeah, and we'll talk about that shortly. Mm. Um, it is good news. And I'm assuming that Connolly's in magnificent, Nick, for them to score six and over. That is almost unheard of in suburban <laughs> district's first division, Dan. Let's be well, fair, six and over's pretty good going. Well, a number of things. Firstly, it, it says that at six and over that, that the wickets played very true. Yep. Um, it, it would speak volumes to the improvement in the wickets since Merriweather have taken over the curating of Connolly Park the last couple of seasons. So well done to, um, I think, I know Nathan Stoodley, young fellow, was doing it there last year. And whoever's doing it there this year, they've gotten off to a flyer. Um, looking at that, you'd think 240 on the board, there'd be a lot of boundaries hit, but not, not really going by by play HQ, there were only 16 fours and two sixes hit. So that's only you know, 80 runs out of 240, a third of the runs. Traditionally, you'd see nearly half the innings scored in boundaries. So Paul Dan's opened the batting, scored 109 not out, only hit seven fours. There's a lot of ones and twos in that. So the outfield may not have been as fast, and maybe there was just a lot of smart batting hitting gaps. I, um, I, I with respect, I have my doubts. I'm, I'm not sure that that's actually correct. Uh, to score six and over, if you look at some of the bowling figures, Beamish has gone eight and over, Campbell's gone 10 and over, Barry five. Um, you, it, When someone's gone five overs for 50, it's most unusual for those to be majority twos and three. Look, it is what it is. If it is, you're right. There's been a lot of running done. But again, great performance by Merriweather. And the Mudrats put up a decent fight in reply. Mudrats, uh, we think in the all-outs, in a, it's somewhere in the middle 180s. Um, 
Josh Forsyth, 74. Jared Owen, 41. No one else scored more than 18. A terrific performance there from Maryland in the chase. And the bowling figures um, here, threefers. There's two threefers. Adam Britt, three for 25. Quinn Waters, three for 35. Both off eight. Well, led the way there for Merriweather. The Lions in a very good uh, terrific game of cricket and a good win for the Lions first up. Forsyth and Owen there. Uh, Dan performing uh, particularly well, scoring 115 runs between them. Yeah, well, Josh Forsyth's a quality cricketer. And um, if you don't get him early, um, he can do some damage. So, you know, they they got Cameron Roxby reasonably early. You'd you'd take him to Smith for 13 every week if you could get it. My word. Um, But again, first game of the season, obviously round one washed out. Um, But I just wanted to go back to that Merriweather innings. Two partnerships there. The, The third wicket partnership of 91 between Jason Pratt and who scored 51 um, with Paul Dan. And then the six-wicket partnership was actually of 103. I did have a, a screenshot of the score sheet sent to me over the weekend by Ray Rutten, um, who yep. was away on tour on an end-of-year trip from soccer. Um, but, yeah, Stephen Pride's 48 not out there uh, as part of a 103-run partnership for that six-wicket. So they lost wickets in clumps, which which tends to happen in cricket. But um, those two basic 100-run partnerships got them to – to 240. You bat first, you score 240. You're not going to lose any, if if many, if not any games in this competition. Um, and with the with the Merriweather due to face the Pythons next week, they'll be hungry for a game of cricket at home. Um, getting three points on the board for Merriweather early on, that that's they'll be very happy with that. On to our next game that is on Play HQ. It's Warner's Bay. And the West Water Board, Warners Bay, a creditable score, six, well, better than that, six for 185 off 40 overs, highlighted by Stephen Grimshaw coming in at eight, whacking a very fast 55 readings. Oliver Knight, 31. No one else scored more than 23. So the end of the innings there, Knight and Grimshaw batting, uh, what's that, six and eight, getting the job done. Our mate Tomato had made 20, which he'll be pleased with. And West Water Board didn't have a real good day with the ball. However, Mitch Cronin, who we did speak about quite a bit last year. Quite magnificent figures, ladies and gentlemen. Let's read them out. Eight overs, two maidens, two for 10. And that's a superb performance. When your side's gone for more than four and a half and over and you're going at 1.25, that's a brilliant performance. Kaya Rourke, quite a bit more expensive, but he still took two for two for 50 there for the water board. What a performance by Cronin. But yeah, Grimshaw and Knight, after they were in a bit of strife, Dan, to be honest, let's read the cut out. 9, 23, 5, 21. Our mate Tomato Head on 20. Oliver Knight, 31, not out. Um, one and then 55 from Stu Grimshaw. A good lower order performance got them home in the end. Yeah, look, I, I was at this game for the first inning. So I watched this entire Warners Bay innings unfold. Um, er, early on, I don't think there was a single hit to about the eighth over. It was all boundaries. Um, it was either ball, miss bat went to field or boundary. As you'll see, Justin Nimmo, five boundaries in his 23. And anyone yep. who knows Nims, um, he sees the ball, he hits the ball. If it's there, it goes. If not, he's uh, out there entertaining. The, he loves the chat. Great bloke. Um, Scotty Burns, a couple of nice strokes early, but then missed one. Um, Mitchell Crone, he, he had the ball on a string. He bowled quite sharp. That, that 10 runs from eight overs was very impressive, considering, as you said, four and a half and over. Um, but the pace that he was generating... He's going to be very dangerous this season. If he was bowling as he was on the weekend, game one, um, the, the Rebels, if he puts his hand up for rep cricket again, I'll be very happy to have him again, I would suggest, uh, this summer. Kane Bradley, the, can I ask a quick Bay question of you? Just a quick, sorry to interject. Is Mitch Cronert the quick, the sharpest bloke 
in Suburban Districts Division One at the moment, or is he oh. up there in the top two or three? Please he's, be honest. He's in the. He's definitely in the conversation. Ha- okay. Having only seen Waters Bay v Waterboard uh, this season so far, I I wouldn't want to put that pressure on him as being the quickest. Um, and again, the players. I mean, that's one thing to watch side on or end on as a, as a as a washed up has been, but being out there facing it, the players might have a different. Yep. Opinion, but um, I would certainly suggest that Mitchell Cronin's in that conversation of sharp in in Div One. West Waterboard. Um, sorry, you want to keep, you want to keep going on the yeah. On the Kane, Kane Bradley returned to the Warners Bay Club yes. after a season. He tried his uh, hand at District with Waratah Mayfield last year, um, twenty one, and he smashed the cover off that. And I think Mitchell Cronin will, will tell you that um, as a one person at the ground thought he hit it. Unfortunately, as a one person, that uh, decision matters. Uh, Dave Absalom um, stepping up to play Div 1 this year. He, he's 20, very patient knock. Um, we'll give him a rapid batting quite well. Uh, Oliver Knight, young fellow who's uh, just moved up from Sydney, 18 years old. Um, that 31 not out. The innings he plays supporting Steve Grimshaw in the back end. So after 31 overs, Warners Bay was 6 for 107. If it's 78 the last nine overs. And most of that off Grimshaw's bat now. Both these teams did have a... They weren't at full strength. Um, uh, again, uh, Liam Lewis and Jeff Sutton came up from their Division 4 or 5 team that was washed out uh, to help out. Jeff Sutton, um, lo- lovely man. He, he's, he'd be uh, your vintage, if not a little bit um, older. But just took one for the team and took one for the club, which is what you want to see. Um, but Grimmie's 55 not out. It would have off maybe 30 balls um, and just... It was a throwback. And, and Grimmy again, closer to 50 than 40. Uh, he was playing Division 2, I think, at the start of this season. But I think with the, the handful of players that they had unavailable, that he, he stepped up to lead the, the team. And, um, well, he, he led from the front of the team, eight, batting at eight. Um, two, two, two water boards defence. They did have some players unavailable because they did use a couple of um, younger kids that were playing and gave them an opportunity with the ball and unfortunately it backfired against them. I mean, one player here's name, they haven't been able to list is just down as fill in. I mean, that's a play HQ issue. Uh, went for 26 off three. Uh, another one went for 31 from two. And if you look at those five overs, there's 57 runs. That all occurred in that last nine. Yeah. They only had two of Cronin's overs to come back at the end. Um, and unfortunately, which, which I felt being at the ground was odd because Waterboard's Division 2 team were washed out and that none of their players uh, appeared to step up and, and help them out uh, was unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, if we go to the Waterboard's innings, I left when they were, they were two for not many. Both um, openers were dismissed. And, yeah, apart from Mitchell Crone, it's 26. Nothing to write home about. Certainly no resistance there. Um, Waterboard finished third from memory in last year's later in, in Division 1. Expected a bit more fight from them. Um, but Warners Bay, they were on song. And if you look at some of those bowling performances, the not so much the wickets, but the economy rates. Uh, Jesse Balland, another new player to the club, uh, two for 10 from six. Uh, Liam Lewis, stepping up from Division 4 or 5, uh, took the actual bowling on a three for 17 from four. Um, and Grimmy, Skipper took two for 12 from his four overs as well. So Warners Bay, uh, after winning Division 2 last year, um, Great warning shot to the rest of the competition of where they're at. And Dan's going to have to, um, he's got some figures, which was kindly provided by CNBs. Let's go to the third game that was played, the Rose Scholars 
away at Cardiff 2 to CNB Suburban Districts Division 1. Dan, run us through those scores, please. Yeah, so I mean, as, as we mentioned last week, we thought that, that Merriweather, uh, I guess, home local derby would probably be the pick of the round apart from the Pythons journeyman. We predicted the Pythons journeyman and the Redhead game would be probably the two that definitely wouldn't get on. Uh, with weather and it, it all went to plan. This was the game, that X-Factor game, we thought very evenly matched. And this this game could have gone either way and it could have been a, a flogging or a close game as well. It's, it's gone right down to the wire. So I don't know who won the toss, but Carter Fuller real batted first. Now, for those um, unaware, that's the last year in the first two seasons of Urban District's Walls End District cricket team. They've moved to Carter Fuller this year, uh, playing at Cardiff too. Um, and they've batted their 40 overs and scored a very competitive nine for 162. Uh, Rowan Mockle's top score was 48. Dinesh, uh, Dinesh Mishra, 24. Uh, Tom Tredenick from Rogue Scholars. So, again, Rogue Scholars come across from the City and Suburban competition. Uh, they linked with the remains of the last two years, Newcastle City Rosebuds team. And a number of these Rosebuds players have taken the, uh, the chockies, if you will, Tom Trudenic, eight overs, no maidens, two for ten. Um, ironic, uh, identical to Mitch Cronin's yes. figures from eight overs. And Elliot McLeod, a bit expensive, two for 50 from his eight, but he's, he's taken the wickets. So Carter Fullery, nine for 162. You'd think very defendable. Um, unfortunately, not on Saturday. The Rogue Scholars, uh, six down for 164 with two overs up their sleeve. They've got their runs of the 38th over. Corey Bruce opening the batting. We heard his name a bit last year with um, Rosebuds. When Rosebuds fired, it was generally Constantine and Bruce with the bat. Uh, Bruce scoring 44. And A. Townsend, I'm sure of his first name. Um, when they're in my cricket, well, sorry, play HQ, we'll, we'll have that uh, sorted. But he's also scored 30 runs to help get them home. And Jay Singh, two for 42 from seven overs, uh, was the only person to take multiple wickets. So Rogue Scholars, uh, getting three points on the board in their first game in the top grade in the Suburban Districts competition. Um, so, yeah, look, look, look for, for game one of the season, lots of runs being scored, which is, yep. with the wickets, you'd have to have thought, I mean, kudos to the curators for getting all those games on yes, and having those wickets in such a, a state that runs could be scored. And if you have a look at even, so we'll talk about some of the other lower grade performances as we go through. Um, it wasn't just Div 1 where runs were scored. There's plenty of runs scored throughout the competition. And in, there's a perfect segue before we, we'll go through your other performances, then we'll go to your Craven Co, and then we'll have a look at, hopefully, a review of games. Uh, Dan, would you like to go and give us some information on uh, other scores around the grounds of note, um, you know, big performances and so forth? What have you got for us? Yeah, look, I've taken some notes. <laughs> Gee, there's a surprise, ladies and gentlemen. The great man's prepared. <laughs> Yes, at 6.22, I thought I'd better make some notes. There's all the stuff on my phone, but I'm podcasting yes. through my phone. So I've got the trusty laptop here, so just bear with me. Um, we spoke about Paul Dan's 109 not out. Yes. Um, in Division 3, Mitchell Youngbury from Valentine Ellie Barner has scored 117 in Division 3 over at Thayen 2. Uh, nine fours and five sixes in that knock. Uh, from wow. memory, Warners Bay got 177 batting first. And That's Valentine correct. has got three for one eight two in the run chase, uh, and they got him in thirty three point three overs. So that that that's a terrific game of cricket. Yeah, Youngbury won seventeen. Now, from memory, Mick Youngbury, and I hope I, I 
no no disrespect meant, but he's a young fella. He's a left-hand opening bat. I'm sure I come across him over the last year or two. Quality cricket, a great technique. And, um, yeah, to see nine fours and five sixes, because Fayan two generally comes up as good as if not better than Fayan one. And that's that's well-known throughout cricketing circles. And, and interestingly, for those of you that don't know Fane 2, it's shaped very much like the Adelaide Oval on Bell Reeve. It's very long and very short. It's very long, straight and short square. It's the second football ground there at the complex. Our friend James Newburn won't be very happy. Um, they 100, After 177 off 35, that Jimmy's mob would be very happy. Uh, I note that Dan Gow took up a Michelle in that innings for Warners Bay, five for 49 off seven for Daniel Gow um, in, that, in, that, in that match. Uh, Warners Bay and Valentine Labana in threes, Dan. Yeah, well, the only other centurion for the round, so we've got three centurions in the round. Mm. Um, in Division 6, we've gone back to Warners Bay. Um, I do have it highlighted here. Uh, Daniel Burns got 104 not out. Ten sixes and six fours. Oh, you, you would think that he's got those, you know. Uh, um, so that's Division 6. And which team was he playing for, sorry? For Warners Bay. Wow. Ten bombs. That's amazing. Um, here we go. Here we are. Here we are. Here at Mark's Oval. Yep. Um, where are we? Here we go. I'll just go drill down to that, ladies and gents. Oh, gracious me, they've got a hundred. They've got their. They've batted one hundred thirty-five overs out. So he's made one hundred and four, as he said, with six and four. Next high score was thirty. So what a performance from Daniel Burns in sixes. Yeah. So there's quite a number of uh, bigger scores. I mean, like. Sort of could go on some some scores. Paul Gauchy for the journeyman in Division Four scored ninety. Um, I'm tipping he came down from Div One as they were washed out in Div One. As yep. it's their only other team, they're allowed. So it's a one grade drop, so quite yep. right to be able to do that. Uh, Andrew Spruce in Division Two for Maryland Fletcher um, opened the batting, chasing 112. He scored 70 um, as part of their one for 115 in 19 overs. So a pretty handy run chase there. Uh, Spruce is knocking off 70. Uh, we got a 74 not out uh, down here by Christian Harrison, I believe. Uh, Division three, Hillsborough versus Beach Hotel. If you bring that up, have a look at the run scored in that game. Shall do. Threes. Oh, let's go to Division three and over to round two, ladies and gents. So, which Hillsborough game was that? Started. Sorry. Uh, Hillsborough versus Beach Hotel. Yeah, 192 off Hillsborough, 192 off 35, and the Beach Hotel, 156 off 29. The ball would have been flying everywhere, everywhere. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, have I got that right? Christian Harrison, 74 not out. Yeah, a few uh, Warner ex Warners Bay footballers in that Beach Hotel side: Joe Charlton, Brennan, Ian Bird. Uh, Yeah, Christian Hansen. It is. Christian Hanson. Hanson. Sorry, can't read my handwriting. Sorry, Christian. 74 knot with three and then six massive bombs. So, pretty big day out for Christian Hanson. And in the run chase, Ian Bird, who you just mentioned, 68 knot out for the Beach Hotel in that run chase. So, Dan, after all of that, what have you got for our initial Craven Co. player of the round across all grades? Well, I'm just about there. I've also got a couple of fifers I wanted to touch on. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I've already read one out for uh, Dan Gow. You've got the others. I've got two others, both in Division 6. Uh, sorry. One in Division 6, one in Division 2. The one in Division 2 was Jordan Rushford. Now, he made his debut for the Port Stephens Pythons. His first game of cricket for the Port Stephens Pythons. Um, this is, is Jeremy Rushford. This is Jordan Rushford. 
Yeah, their brother uh, James has played representative cricket for Newcastle. So they were, they were, and they both at one stage actually played great cricket for Stockton, both the Rushfords and a couple of other clubs. So yes, he's one of the three J Rushfords. Six point four overs, five for twenty-one on debut in their victory yeah. in Division Two. Yep. And Division Six, uh, Dane Moore, Warners Bay, four overs, two maidens, five for sixteen. So it's it's a dots or boundaries, it looks like. <laughs> dots, boundaries or Ws. Big day out. Yeah, so, so a lot of um, good performances throughout the grades, especially so early on in the season to see so yes. many um, uh, big scores. Um, and again, a long season to go and hopefully some dry weather's around the corner. But um, our Craven Cove performance of the round. Yep. It came down to two in the end, yep. um, although there were three Centurions. We've given it to one of the Centurions. And at the end of the day, we've given it to Paul Dan and yes. Merriweather. In Division One, opening the batting, batting 40 overs, carrying a bat for 109 not out, first up for the season. Um, he's just edged out Mitchell Youngbury's 117 from Division Three. So congratulations to Paul Dan. He is this week's and our first... Craven Co. Suburban District's player of the round for season 22-23. So uh, Paul's won a $20 voucher to spend at Craven Co. at a time of his choosing. Um, if you'd like to, I guess, send me a message through Facebook or contact the store directly. There'll be a link up on the comments of, of the podcast for Paul to claim his voucher. Um, I can recommend the double egg and bacon roll and the uh, cappuccino of two sugars. And you'll get little bit left over from that for maybe a bit of slice for your puck. Fantastic. And we thank Craven Co. for their support of our podcast in our second season, which is fantastic. To, to it's, I can't imagine we're in our second season. It's quite amazing. Dan, you've got, you've, he's got his finger up, ladies and gentlemen. He's got more. He's got more. Before we go into the fixtures, I just wanted to comment on one very special um, occurrence that happened on the weekend something that will happen. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before and it will happen again, but I'm unaware of it happening in recent times. And it's only because it's been pointed out to me because it's a part of the club I play or I'm associated with. So again, if there's people listening to the podcast, there's any special occurrences or things happen within your club that you'd like broadcast or promoted on the podcast, please get in touch. Because at the end of the day, if we don't know about it, can't talk about it. But the Qatar Cricket Club on the weekend in Division 4 had an occurrence of a three generations playing in the same 11. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Jason Dean. Um, we spoke about Jason, his son, Xavier, last year. Uh, we actually won a premiership together in the Division 4 grand final last season. Well, Jason's father, Ivan, registered on Saturday morning as a call to arms. The uh, Hornets nest was a bit light on Hornets and has played Division 4 on the weekend, Ivan, Jace, and Xavier Dean. And um, they got up over Waratah Mayfield District by about 20 runs in another game where the outfield was, like, ridiculously fast, uh, 225 against 205. Um, but, yeah, Ivan, Jace, and Xavier Dean, three generations, grandfather, son, and grandson, I guess you could say, um, playing in the same fixture on the same day. So, well, well done to the Dean family. I, I know oh, they're very amazing. proud of that achievement. And I thought th things like that I like to recognise, whether it's on the cricket page and certainly on the podcast as well, because uh, that, that, that's, 
yeah, that's what Saturday afternoon social cricket's all about. It's about playing with your friends, playing with your family. And, you know, you're fortunate enough to get to play with your son or your, or your father. But you get to play with your son and your father in the same game. Yeah. I, I don't think it's just happened as common as people might think. Um, but I'm sure it's not the first time it's ever happened. But um, I'm not going to let that go by without a special mention. There was another one that came to you. Fantastic. There was another one that came up in Facebook in one of the feeds. Three fathers played with their three daughters in the same game. Oh, I missed that. Where was that? Was yeah, that in- three. Three fathers and their daughters all played in the same lower grade. So it might have been in the Hunter Valley. I'm not sure. I think it came on the country cricket page. But anyway, okay. remarkable. But grandfather, father, I would have loved to play cricket with my grandfather. I really would. I played with my. I played alongside my father. Okay, round. And my father was a farce. My father was actually a serious cricketer. He was a. He actually. My dad won a half blue at Macquarie Uni. He was actually the leading wicket taker in all of Sydney one season in Chai's and Great. I think he got 74 wickets. So wow. my mom, my old man was a far, he was a good cricketer. I wasn't, he was. <laughs> Round three. Now, uh, first of all, let's be honest. I've got the Newcastle forecast in front of me. It's 10 to, this is Newcastle itself, everybody. Of course, Newcastle's, the Newcastle Lake Macquarie weather can vary greatly. It's 10 to 25 mils Friday and 5 to 15 on Sunday, Saturday, 3 to 8 on Sunday, 4 to 10 on Monday. So it doesn't, it goes for four days straight. So, Look, I have some people get on. I'm sure there's going to be some abandonments. That's just the way it is. We have to be honest. Okay. Redhead, I've got Cardiff Bull, Bullaroo at Lyles. Port This is a massive game if it gets on. Port Stevens have got Merriweather Lions at 1833 Park there at Raymond Terrace. The West Journeymen have got Nelson Bay at Hexham Park. The Mud Rats have got Warners Bay at Connolly. And the Rogue Scholars have got West Border Board at Islington. Dan, to be quite frank with you, I... There's some there's some games I think that we called off tomorrow afternoon because that's what happened last week. These and I know from living here on the central coast they they've got all sorts of issues getting grounds up. They've actually had to move a couple of Sunday comps to later in the year to grounds to dry out. And unfortunately, this extraordinary weather just won't go away. Yeah, look, it's the forecast again is looking terrible. Um, and again, looking at where the fixtures are. Uh, I mean, one of those fixtures of Journeyman Nelson Bay, they're two of four teams who haven't had a game this season yet. Yep. Uh, that game's up at Swampland, Hexham Park. Um, I'd hazard a guess they'll be watching the Cox Plate live and not on replay on Saturday afternoon. Big, it's um, one of the biggest, it's, it's the best weight for age race in Australia. You and I both know that. That is the best is. race in Australia, always has been. I mean, historically playing at Hexham Park and Cox Plate, that is fantastic. Just get oh. the game over by about half past four, cut the cold one to the opposition, watch a race or two, and um, yeah, get home late for dinner as, as most Saturday nights. But um, unfortunately, and again, the journeymen were the victims, probably hurt hurt the most of the wet weather last season. They certainly um, were. I think they were the one team who had more washouts. I think it was in 18 rounds, I think they had 10. I think it was like more well, when, you considered, yeah, when you consider, I think we did we lose the first four. Two. In, including those first two rounds, but oh, that was the same round. Round. Yeah, still okay. yeah, it was another eight okay. games out of sixteen. Yeah, but um, yeah, look on, on paper, I mean, Redhead looking to open their um season up against Carter Fullaroo coming off a loss. Uh, what a game of cricket that would be in dry weather. Redhead at Wild Oval, uh, again historically like to go hard and early. Yes, we know Carter Fullaroo. That's their style of play. They'll be smarting. They're not going to want to drop two games in a row early on. Yep. Python's very weather. That's 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 your game of the round. Um, 
100%. if that game's to go ahead. But again, up at Raymond Terrace, they'll have the covers on. They'll do everything they can, the Pythons, to get a game. They, yep. they hate missing cricket. Um, their first two rounds have been washed out. So they'll do everything that's in their power to get that game on. Uh, we've spoken about the journey with Nelson Bay. I'm, yeah, I'd, I'd be making alternate arrangements for those guys. I don't think they'll get on. Uh, the Maryland Mudrats versus Warners Bay again. What a cracking game that would be. Warners Bay opening their account so well against the waterboard. The Mudrats going down gallantly against Merriweather. But still, they're not going to want to put two losses back to back. Um, and Warners Bay, um, well, they certainly don't want to, have, after such a convincing performance last week, um, go by the wayside. So there's some interesting results. And Rogue Scholars, uh, first up winners last week. Waterboard's going to want to bounce back. I mean, that's one of those funny rounds, Dave, that if this round was to go ahead uninterrupted, the results are potentially there for a number of teams who could go after three rounds, two wins and others two losses. And, you know, a four-point jump already this early in the season. Um, unfortunately or fortunately for some, I, I think weather's going to play its part. Is Lincoln Oval's a chance, I guess, if the covers are on? Connolly Park, again, it's couple of minutes away from Islington Oval. Hexham Park, I doubt, will be on on a swamp. King Park, again, I hold my doubts, but I know they'll do everything they can. And Redhead, I'd expect if it's not already called off, it'll probably be called off after I hear this podcast. Um, generally, 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 10.30 Saturday, you don't need to know about Redhead. It's just the way the ground is. That's nothing on Redhead. They're a fantastic club, and they do everything they can to get on. It's just a, it's just such a bugger that the ground is the way it is. Um, but that is what it is. Um, what else has caught your fancy the cricket world? I've been watching a little bit of the World Cup with some of the minnow sides. It's about to get very serious. I actually don't hold much hope that Australia will win this particular World Cup. They did particularly well in the Emirates last year. There are some very, very good sides. That first up game against New Zealand is massive. Peter Hanscom is getting le- le- dead set leather poisoning in the Sheffield Shield. 281 not out. Mm. And on what must be said is an absolute feather bed there at the Junction Oval in St Kilda. That's the second time in a couple of, in two seasons that they've called six and 700 down there after Western Australia made 466 in the first innings, if you don't mind. I was going to say, you stand there chasing leather nearly for two days and you go out with a focus to peel off 280 not out. That's and pretty New impressive. South Wales are, and New South Wales are in a lot of trouble against points and after Matthew Four Reggie. down in the second dig last I saw. Patterson and yep. Sanger went cheap. Well, yeah, that's right. But Sanger's had a, a very uh, unfortunate for Jason, an ordinary start to the season. Matthew Renshaw, an undefeated double century for Queensland, which is, yeah, which is opening, which is where he belongs. I still mm. don't, I don't think he's finished playing test cricket, although his test average isn't very good. There's a young bloke that everybody should be watching from Western Australia, a young man called Teague Wiley, who's oh. went to, with the 19s with Aidan Cahill across to the West Indies, made a century in, in his first game earlier this season. Just keep an eye on him. I think you'll find he'll go a long way. Yeah, I was very impressed with him. Telling his week or so ago, he got that first class 100 and they, they asked him why he didn't celebrate the 100. And he's like, well, you know, the job's not done. 100 is 100, but I've got to go on with it. And such a good mindset because, I mean, how often do you see, I mean, Cameron Bancroft, I think he got to 100, he got out next ball or two, out for 100, same as 50s. They get reached these milestones. And again, a good milestone, 50 or 100. But you know, if you're a top order bat, depending, you know, in that long form game, but you've got to score big. Um, I remember Tom Moody telling a story about getting a cinch 111 for Western Australia at Bell Reeve and Greg Chappell walked into the rooms at the end of the day and they were all cheering. He said, what are you cheering about? And he said, I made a century. And he said, you didn't go on with it. And Moody learnt that lesson. And the next time he played in a Sheffield Shield match, made 272 not out. Are you happy with that, Greg? To, to be fair, Greg <laughs> Chappell rang him and oh, said... Oh, that one underarm. 
Yeah, that, <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Look, the, the women's BBL is currently on too. There's been some very entertaining cricket there across the um, BBL. That's great that Fox have had to dedicate another channel to cricket in the last few weeks, and that'll continue the next month. Um, I think Sri Lanka has cemented their place in the. They did. They beat the Netherlands and a be- what looked like a beautiful setup there at Cadinia Park. Cadinia yeah. Park used to be a permanent cricket pitch, and when they developed it, they roofed it out. And the setup was fantastic down there at Cadinia Park. It's become a superb a, a sporting arena. They had some drop-in pitches there that looked very good. Although the Sri Lankans took the pace off the ball on it, the Netherlands blokes couldn't quite handle it. If, if ever there's um, countries you don't want to give pitches like that to at Sri Lanka and India because they'll, they'll run through you like a dose of salts mm. with their spinners and the way they take the pace off the ball. So we think Namibia will beat the United Arab Emirates and qualify for the higher um, quotient yes. than the Netherlands. But on the other side, I mean, West Indies, they need to win to qualify. They had a big night last night. They were very good. And, and Ireland beat Scotland as well. Uh, with oh, a so tricky... West Indies beat Zimbabwe, did they? Yeah, they beat Zimbabwe oh, comfortably. Okay, right. yeah, comfortably. Look, I don't think it's really going to matter. I think whoever qualifies is just making up the numbers. Um, I know on our program, Sports Stevens, Tuesday night, um, I actually predict New Zealand. I'm, I just think they've gone awfully close. You know, the last 250 over World Cups, last year's T20 World Cup has come across a very hot Mitch Marsh. Um, I think with the squad New Zealand have got and been able to keep together last last few seasons, I just think if they, if they don't win this one, it's never going to happen. Uh, who did Brack say? I, I know that a former Shane cricketer, Nathan Bracken, was on, on air with you. I saw mm. your list was a cavalcade of stars. I was very pleased to see my, great, my, my dear friend Nick Foster on there as well. Um, uh, now, uh, who did Nathan Bracken tip? Did he give a tip? He did. He said, "He said England should win the World Cup." He said, "But a, a lot will depend on Josh Butler." He said, "Josh Butler fires." He said, "England have the cattle to win the World Cup." Um, we both were in agreement that Josh Hazelwood will be the bowler of the tournament. Oh, um, he has become the best two twenty bowler in the world, and Ben Stokes can't afford any brain lapses like what we saw on Facebook last week. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Ben Stacey's done so many great things for England over the last number of years, whether it's been Ashes or World Cups, just the right place, right time. Um, but again, that that England top order, there's a lot of, um, if it comes off, it'll be very hard to beat. But as we all know, T20 cricket, you know, one 20-minute, half-hour period of play can just turn a game on its head. And, you know, if, if Stokes and Hales and Butler are back in the sheds and they're three for 15... And they don't have an Owen Morgan there to solidify that middle order. Um, a lot of newer players. I know they've played a lot of 100 and a lot of IPL and a lot of Big Bash and a lot of Caribbean Cricket League. But, you know, they can all bat, they can all bowl, they can all catch, but they don't all have it between the years at that level. And that's, to me, where the, the World Cup will come down to. I think India is going to be very tough. I, I don't think that's I, I was about secret. to say, I, I think that India, with the huge support they'll get, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, it'll be like playing at home from. And well, how good India... Sunday night going to be? 100,000 oh. at the MCG, India, Pakistan. Oh, oh, yeah, get the police out, but I won't. I shouldn't go too much, but it'll be huge. Well, there'll be 120,000 there with your constabulary. <laughs> yes, but I, I, they, India love playing in Australia. They, they really do. Um, I think India will go close. I think those three sides are mine, and I'm not hedging my bets. I'm going to give you who I think. I think India will win it. Yep. Um, I, uh, I just think they they they've got enough people in the right spots, um, and I don't think there's a roughie. I really don't. And I think it could be 
Um, I think it could be an India-England grand final. I think England's got a superb side. And um, I agree with you that Butler's, Butler's got to pretty much lead the run score if he does look out because they are explosive. They are a very good all-round cricket side, uh, as much as I hate to say that because they're English, but I really do think they're dangerous. And Yeah, look, uh, I, I think Australia have made a very ordinary rod for their back going into this tournament um, where their captain's the most out-of-form player on the team. Um, that they're not going to drop him. Um, I mean, if they, if they lose to New Zealand first up and Finch fails, um, questions may be asked because if Finch plays and they're at full strength, Steve Smith, by rights, would miss out. And to me, Steve Smith has to be in that top six. Well, you got Finch and Finch, Warner. Finch did, Finch did get runs the other night. Yeah, look, it's a very good point. Cameron Green's now coming to the squad after a freak injury to Josh English. So he's and officially he, replaced him. He has officially replaced him. So if Wade gets injured, Australia's got to go and get permission. And I'm assuming if Wade would get injured and they got permission that they'd fly in Josh Phillippe. I don't think Carey's who you want in a T20 setup. No, have to be Josh. I, I actually think think that Josh Phillippe should be Australia's next test keeper. I've got that much faith in him. I think he's a superb cricketer. But well, look, I mean, you I, bring him straight in to replace Finch, <laughs> really. You're about well, an opening back keeper. Phillippe's brilliant. That's Sydney. Three into the middle up. order. Make, makes yeah. all the sense. How, how, many, how much more time has Warner got in that form of cricket? Oh, I think he'll go chasing the money. He'll retire soon and go and make millions, um, to be quite honest, I, yeah. I think. Well, Warner's probably hoping that Greg Norman gets gets involved with cricket and they have a, a rebel cricket tour and he could make $10 million a season. But anyway. How much money is enough? <laughs> oh, there was a fa- just just going off on a tangent. I know we talk about a lot of things because we love all sport. There was a fascinating article about Liv and Liv Golf's not going away. They're too well-resourced, and um, it's going to be fascinating to see how golf sorts itself out. I'm not saying that I think golf needed this. However, it's certainly thrown some interesting questions to the way golf's run. It'll be fascinating to watch where it goes over the next couple of years. Um, the, the thing is, the, the, the money they're talking about is not sustainable, except that the Saudis have got $600 billion to play with. So, yeah. yes, it is sustainable for them. So, anyway. Well, well, I, I just don't think Greg Norman gets involved in that if it's not. Rock solid. Oh no, but he's also he also loves attention. He's a massive narcissist. Yeah, he, um, he is. But yeah, you're right. Norman's Norman's a above all else. He's a very, very, very clever businessman and always has been. So oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh look, he 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 was about branding a long time before most people knew what branding was. Probably I'm one sure of the people first. can still remember the clothing where he was had the great white shark insignias on his Akuba and everything like that. You know, he's a he's been well, a very just, just the Akuba itself. Yeah, that's right. So it's synonymous with 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 Greg Norman. I'm sure he made plenty of uh plenty of fun tickets uh, promoting Akuba. And uh, yeah, look, uh, that's a, that was sort of a wrap for tonight. Um, Hopefully we get some cricket on. I'm hopeful of getting some cricket on Sunday. I've got some, I might, might have some commentary down in Sydney if the weather holds. I've got some uh, banks down northern dishes for me on Sunday uh, on, on KO. But I again, you, you wonder, it did rain a bit in Sydney today, but Bankstown Oval is a first-class cricket ground, so I'm hopeful that we'll get uh, get something on. Dan? Just, uh, that's reminded me too. Um, you'll like to know, and I guess a lot of the listeners like to know too, the NDCA Frogbox um, live uh, video streaming is all back up on YouTube. It was Great, down there man. for giving it time, but it's all back there. Um, it's been a quality Saturday night with Mr. Absalom over a couple of uh, 
like Shandy's and uh, Bundaboo's finest. Um, yeah, you, you two have been like maybe dubbing some commentary as well. There is, there is no, there is no one in Newcastle cricket that thinks that you and Tamara Head had light shandies. Thank you very much. That's a dangerous <laughs> duo. Saunders and Absolute. Ever you see them about ten o'clock on a Saturday night? Just steep a path. I'm telling you, ladies, you'll steer a path away. It's a dangerous duo. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you next week. Um, Hopeful of getting some Plan B cricket on next week, although you never know. Um, we'll talk about that later on. To everybody involved in suburban districts, let's just hope you get on some cricket, particularly on, I think there's a better chance of you, some teams getting on on the hard wickets that are well drained. But uh, enjoy cricket. Dan, thank you so much for your time. No, thanks, Red. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. On behalf of Sorno, this is Red. As you take care, enjoy what cricket we get this weekend. Um, and as always, go New South Wales and go Australia. Take care. Bye-bye.